0: Hey, How's it going, everyone? This is the very first episode of Vox and Hops. I'm Matt McGecky. Some of you may know me as the lead singer of the extreme metal band Cryptopsy, but now I am taking my stab at the podcasting world. Let me tell you a little bit about Vox and Hops. Vox and Hops is about in-depth conversation with metal musicians about their lives, metal music, and most importantly, about craft beer. You see, I come from Montreal. Montreal right now is a serious hot bed in the craft beer industry there are a whole slew of amazing breweries that are just pumping out amazing products week after week after week and throughout the past years i've been really just diving deep into the craft beer scene up here being a touring musician i've had the chance to taste beer all around the world and i have to say that some of the best beers that i have tasted are right here in my home province of quebec so I wanted to share some of this great craft biru experiences with some of my metal musician friends and with all of you out there in the world because I think that the Montreal beer scene needs more exposure and more people should know about it. And this huge opportunity of being a touring musician is to get to know people. You meet people, you spend you know three weeks with them on a tour bus or in venues and backstages and you end up talking to them and exchanging stories about your lives and it's always those stories that I love sharing when I get back home and talking to my friends. So those two aspects really inspired Vox and Hops. I wanted to meet up with my friends that I've met on the road, sit down, share amazing local Quebec craft beers with them, and swap amazing stories, get to know them better, find out about the person who is making this music that I'm so in awe of, and I want to see who these people are, what makes them tick, what makes them move, what makes them be creative. I want to find out what they're doing at home when they're not on tour because a metal musician because you know a lot of the times there can be a lot of oppositions there where you see the most brutal person on stage and they happen to be you know nine times out of ten the softest quietest nicest people that have really really surprising day jobs if you actually get to the bottom of it and you actually ask them about it last year during my sabbatical i took a year off to stay home with my two-year-old daughter and i was a stay-at-home dad and through that time i discovered the world of podcasting i was not into it before i knew it existed but it was just something that i didn't have the time to Uh, look into and throughout that year with my daughter i found myself having some free time where i could explore it i discovered the jazz to show off camera with sam jones the x-man to name a few that's what gave me the idea to do my own podcast great conversations with some of my friends where we could meet up share amazing craft beers and talk about metal music, and their lives. My first guest on the podcast was an easy choice. I went with one of my oldest friends, someone who I respect immensely, and his name is Danny Marino. Some of you know Danny Marino because he's from The Agonist, which is a metal band based out of here in Montreal, and we grew up in the local metal scene side by side. I wanted to start off this podcast endeavor with someone that i was extremely comfortable with that i could uh, you know make mistakes and not be worried and uh i'm quite content with the final outcome so uh here is my conversation with danny marino i hope you enjoy it as much as i do i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed Hey, how's it going? I'm here with Danny Marino from The Agonist, and this is the very first episode of Vox and Hops Podcast. Danny, tell me, what's been going on? I was with you all weekend at Heavy MTL. You really hooked me up, gave me a solid, squeezed me in there on that guest list, that hometown (laughs) guest list. I know it's such a pain in the ass. Well, first of all,
1: I'm honored to be the first guest on Vox and Hops Podcast. Uh, It's a really cool idea, and uh, You're one of my oldest friends, so it's really cool to be a part of this. And uh, yeah, lately this weekend um, was heavy MTL, as you said, and it was really good. It was our third time playing, but honestly, it was my favorite of the three times. The experience from the stage to just the hangs and the people and everything about it. It was just a great weekend, other than the ridiculous storm that hit for about 10 minutes and soaked everyone but that wasn't even on our day that was on the day before but uh i think it was kind of cool that like it brought out like the animalistic hardcore metal head side of the people that were st- stuck in the pits of the various stages as it happened and it got like very like primal <laughs> in the in the mosh pits i was watching ginger at the time that it happened and it got really intense and the f- band were feeding off that and then they got more intense so it was pretty cool even though i was not in in that i was far back because uh my days of being in the front row are over at this point
0: it depends you never know you never know what that, that that's a, a <laughs> good side band. question what what band would bring you out of mosh retirement The thing is the bands that like make hit me that
1: hard that like make me lose my shit are not the most moshable bands so like opeth would be that band for me and but i would just headbang my face off to deliverance or something which i've done there you go that big breakdown at the end yeah that kind of stuff uh the last time i got in in a mosh pit was for mashuga but that was like seven eight years ago
0: My, on the way here i read simon your drummer the drummer of the agonist simon mckay wrote this epic love, facebook post, love letter to emperor yes about the, the, his reign experience at heavy mtl so he's standing in this pit the skies open up, turn black, and just unleash a fury of downpour yeah. water on top of this fan. And he's standing front row, and he hasn't seen... They haven't played Montreal in 19 years, I think.
1: Yeah. And
0: and it just created this, this emotional whirlwind where everyone's just screaming Emperor's name, chanting them.
1: Yeah, because it just so happened that it happened right before they were supposed to come out. So it basically was their intro light sequence was a thunderstorm. It's, it's <laughs> just too perfect. Yeah. I caught when ginger finished i went and caught the last half of their set and it was one of my favorite sets of the whole same cast yeah, as well yeah
0: for me it would be gojira top yeah you know excluding friends no no you I, guys you guys had a, a for me. strong was strong gojira well. and then emperor. emperor and then i'm not really sure from there to be honest
1: I didn't see that many bands because what happens when you're at these things with so many friends everywhere and different bands that are playing that are friends and then you have to do interviews and all this shit that you're you miss so many bands that you maybe wanted to see, you know, but you have to make time for those special ones.
0: I enjoyed that between the Buried and me. We we caught that together. Yep. That was yep. a good one. Who uh, backstage run ins, did you do you cross anyone that you have it guys slightly that you've known before or that you're slightly awestruck or um I
1: I saw Gojira eating lunch. They sat down to eat just as I walked into the catering and I was like, I'm not going to go and introduce myself like just as he's about to have his lunch, you know, Joe and them. Um, And I saw Matt Heafy from Trivium, uh, but I didn't. I actually met him before anyone knew who he or the band was because they played here on some showcase in a tiny little club called El Salon if you remember that room. I do remember that room, up but up I don't San remember Toronto. that show. I went with my brother, Mike, who we used to play with. Um, he asked me, he said, Roadrunner Records is having this like showcase of the young new talent that like, they haven't even released their album yet and there was three bands that were all on Roadrunner and I don't even remember the other two because they never went on to be anything I think they got dropped after the first record but Trivium was opening from the three and no one I didn't know who they were and I, I just went because my brother was like it's 10 bucks let's go and I was like 18 and uh, it went and then I was like holy shit like because it was like you don't see a band like that at El Salon even though by now I'm like i'm not like a super fan but when i was 18 like it it affected you yeah and uh, they were like so obviously pro and above the other bands that they were playing with so it's kind of obvious why they
0: they are where they are now yeah so a big part of vox and hops is my love of beer but i'm not just a love of any beer i'm a love of craft beer as I'm a, I'm a And that's something that we've bonded on in the past. So, with me today, I brought t- two beers which we will be tasting and enjoying throughout the podcast, keeping ourselves nice and, you know, lubricated, but not overly lubricated. That's for after the podcast. Toasty. Toasty. I like that. So, the first one is a farmhouse citra which is from Brasserie Milil, which is a brewery which is from Terrebonne, which is north of Montreal. And it started in 2008 when a dude who used to work at Brasserie Limité uh, started brewing on his side, and then he hooked up with his brother-in-law, who is more the business side of it all. And fast forward to now, they have a few solid beers out there. Out of all the ones that I've tasted, this is my favorite. It's their Farmhouse Citra, so it's like a farmhouse-style beer with mono citra hop.
1: I very much enjoy the farmhouse's um it's quickly becoming my one of my favorites whereas it didn't immediately the farmhouse funk and the hay and the barn and the whole like all that taste it's uh it's really cool uh as like it works in the summer and it works any time of year really but it's just this nice thing where you get it's very uh complex you can, you can taste, like, many different flavors going on in them, whereas some other beers, it's more obvious. It's, like, straight hops is, like, you know, or it's, like, uh, stouts, it's, like, chocolate, coffee, whatever, but... All right.
0: Cheers! I agree with all of that. I love the funk. It's it's an it's an acquired taste. It's like as if like my palate had to develop to actually appreciate the funk. Yeah, because
1: then there's there's also there's the funky sour and then there's the funky saison. That's so this right. Is more the funky saison. Saison. I agree. Yeah, and there I like both of them. So
0: cheers. <clears throat> it's delicious. It's very nice. Very refreshing, uh, fruity, but with that tangy, earthy, um, exactly the hay. Fresh cut grass. Yep. Yeah. That's it. The grass yeah. thing yeah, for really, sure. Really, really, really good. One. But
1: this one also has just the, it's still, there's some hops in there. Yeah, but it's that's the not, citra,
0: the citra heavy. Right, because that's it. Which use, is one of the big. Yeah. Uh, citra hops. Citra hops, the yeah. Amarillo, the, uh, gives it that fruity tropical taste. Yeah, this is this is lovely. I really like this one, yeah. I think it's just a limited one, sadly. Uh, color-wise, it's like a, a hay color, a hazy
1: yeah, juicy, hazy. Yeah, yeah, sort of thing. Right,
0: right up my alley. Like pineapple juice. Yeah. So, if we had to describe this beer in a person, who would it be? Any person you meet on the street, anywhere, anywhere in the world. I'll take another sip just to close my eyes, just imagine. It's a game that I play with my wife, this. I picture
1: an older gentleman who's like, not old, old, but like in his 50s. But like used to be kind of wild, but he's like, now he's like wearing like a Hawaiian shirt that's open <laughs> and he lives on a beachside <laughs> town kind of thing. And like he's, he's got a lot of wear in his face cause he's seen a lot of shit his when name he's is, younger. His name is Ralph. Yeah. This but is but he's Ralph, very,
0: the experienced ex-partier.
1: Yeah. But he's very like somehow He's wise, chill and wise, chill and wise. Even though it's like someone would see him and think like, "Who's this riffraff? raff?" But then you sit down with
0: him and he's, "Oh, this guy is deep." Like, well, there you go. That's, that's, that's the guy the, I see from this beer. That's the, that's the the farmhouse citra from Brasserie milil from Terbonne. It is now the Ralph, the chill ex party guy. <laughs> he's basically the, the, from the Big Lebowski, the chill dude. That was yeah, kind of that guy sort of but he's <laughs> not fat
1: for some reason the guy he still fits penny. somehow yeah <laughs> he,
0: he cycles in the morning <laughs> <laughs> he does um, yoga okay. uh, there you yeah. go what is your your favorite local beer if you had to pick one you could pick three if it makes your life easier because that would make my life easier i think okay let me start with brewery okay okay
1: i think My favorite Quebec brewery, if I had overall from Spectrum, is Dunham because they're able to do so many things so well. I've never had a Dunham where I'm like, bah, I don't like that at all. Or just like, that's whatever. It's always like, at least
0: that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> There's one that I tried that I, th- I think I just wasn't ready for it, which was the Berliner Melon Weiss. Yeah. That was, that was when I first, first bought that, I was still like on a hop craze and I right. was like, what is this? It's yeah. interesting. I remember drinking, I drank it with my friend Phil Ramsey and he, he was like, well, I don't like this. I'm not sure. And that's we finished the bottle, but. I'm sure I'd appreciate it more nowadays. Oh yeah, that's the one that honestly
1: kicked me off. Yeah, that that, because like, I what had is just this? yeah yeah I had only basically I it wasn't like I'd never had a sour before. I could see how if that's your first sour, because it's really intense, that it'd be like what the fuck. But I had, I had had a couple by then, and I started to get into it, and then that one just kicked my ass. And and I grew up when I was a kid loving sour candies. Like I love that taste. That that I love things that are sour or like pickled, you know any flavor like that i'm I'm into, so I think that's why it agrees with me. It's an easy transition, but you think the thing is then i I noticed Dunham does a lot of sour based things, and I thought, okay, so they're like the sour. But then I had a Saison Rustique, and then I had a an IPA, and then I had the Siakawa Stout, the Costa mm-hmm, Rican mm-hmm. Coffee Stout. It was like everything's just so good. So, I mean, there's a lot of really great breweries in Quebec, um, and if they're my favorite, there's others that are just, just behind them. It's not like they're far and away.
0: Just last week, and I went to Dunham. I had a. You had a told me that you had been there, and I sort of planned like a family vacation mm-hmm. around beer because that's how I operate. My wife is patient, <laughs> and we went there with the kids. We always find like breweries that accept children either on the outside patio, the terrace, yep. no, it's or a nice area. inside, it's and fair. it's beautiful. It was really. It was a beautiful day. We were out there. The beers were amazing. They uh, they had decent food. And uh, I went to the gift shop, and I'm, like, buying some beers. And they have beers in the gift shop, which are not available out in the public, which is super interesting. And I asked the lady who was serving me. I was like, who does the artwork? And she's like, that guy right there. Oh, you met the guy. Yeah. I I knew there was was a guy. I think his name is Francois, but I could be crazy. You can text me and message me if I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I go out and I just shook his hand and she's, he has like a workshop upstairs where he paints all the stuff on yeah. on site. It's amazing. Yeah, amazing. It's yeah.
1: really cool. Yeah. That's cool. You know him. You can like maybe just like contact that. him someday for a yeah. design of yep. something. Yeah. yeah. You know, That's like, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. T-shirt. Number two. Well, I'll, I, I can't say that it's like for sure number two, but right. But I'm just in general, I'm uh, very, very impressed with the emergence of La Gubierre. Um, of course, they're very specialized in IPAs. They do some other things, but that's their main thing. And I think they're on par to compete with a lot of the U.S. New England uh, brewers like Alchemist and all those guys that everyone thinks is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that they're.
0: <coughs> I tried that Ta- Yeah. two years ago, I want to say. Oh, and wow. I did not like it. Oh. But I don't know if it's my palate wasn't ready for it or if they changed the recipe. Yeah. Well, it's subjective. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Not but I mean- like it. Now, we've known each other a long time, as you mentioned before, and, you know... If people don't know, I used to play in a band called Three Mile Scream, which was with Danny's older brother, Mike. And if it wasn't for Mike Marino, I most probably would not even be here today. I'd be alive. But I think a part of me, I don't know if I would have had the drive at that time in my life to really pursue music actively and actually get into a real project. So Mike sort of like went and found me, dragged me out and held my hand throughout the early years of my musical career before being the formative years of Three Mile Scream before we went and got signed and everything that happened from that. So I always credit a lot to your brother. That being said, my earliest memory of meeting you was at a Three Mile Scream jam. You came out, and this leads me to my next question, which is, tell me about you growing up. What was your life like? What kind of a kid were you? Start with that. Uh,
1: Growing up, I had almost no interest in playing music whatsoever until i was about 13 14 years old i was heavy into sports i was very active i was heavy into imagination like i was in i was creative but just pretty much the same way that someone who grows up and their parents are accountants, and then they end up being heavy metal musicians because it's like, fuck that, I'm gonna rebel. I grew up in a house where everyone was a rock musician. There was guitars everywhere. My dad was, uh, well, he still is. He still plays like uh, the rock in band, rock bands and that. My brother started getting in rock bands, then metal bands. My uncles are all musicians. Um, so it's just like it was everywhere all the time, and I was just like, whatever. That's what, that's what they do. I'm like, so I was like into for like I said sports because I just loved being active in general. But then on the creative side, I was into everything like that was um animation related comic books um like japan anime specifically i thought was really interesting um all that video games and specifically the video games that had deep storylines not just like shoot these guys like it's like it had to be like a final fantasy rpg or something like this you know so that creative thing has always been in me and I used to draw comic book characters and write stories and all lines for all the characters and all this stuff. And then I don't even know what the day was like that I played bass for the first time. My brother was a bass player.
0: And I know your father was a bass player. Yeah, so.
1: Originally yeah. My, my dad was also a bass player. It's his first instrument, but I mean he plays guitar like in bands and everything. So, Um, I basically started playing bass at around 13. I picked it up for no real reason. I think it was... I enjoyed listening to music, but not like I was a super fan, but like they would play in the house a lot because my dad would play music. And it would be like, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Cream and the Rolling Stones and all this kind of stuff and the Beatles a lot. The Beatles was probably my favorite thing that he would play. And then... I think it was like Cream, Sunshine or Love, or one of those things, and it was like I, I basically picked up the bass and, yeah, exactly. Just
0: picked it up by ear. You picked up a bass I, and I just played it. picked it up and
1: tried to figure it out, and I figured it out, and my dad, like, I couldn't play it in time, because that, for someone who's never played an instrument, takes a long time, but I figured out the notes so that I could hit them. And my dad was, I think was like, Oh, that's cool. Like you did that just on your own. You know what I mean? And then I started to try and do other things. And I, then my dad showed me like basics, like this is where your finger goes and here's a scale, you know, this is a basic major scale and a minor scale and then stuff like that. And then, but that was pretty much it. Like I didn't have any lessons ever, no training, no nothing like that. And, uh, from there, though, it wasn't like as if from 13 onward, I was just like, I want to be a musician. Take take my soccer clothes and burn them. Yeah, no, I was still full on uh, into sports and animation and all that stuff. And I at that time was thinking that like, yeah, I'd like to be a, like a video game designer or something like that or one of these things. And it really started to take hold after like 14, 15 i switched to guitar because i heard some guitarists that Um, were like what would be those guitarists that trigger that switch my uncle frank marino
0: was an obvious one but then uh, for for people listening at home danny's uncle frank marino happens to be like a major rock star from the 70s 70s primarily yeah yeah so
1: so mahogany rush was the group but I mean, his name is probably more known than Mahogany Rush at this point. So there's that. But then uh, Hendrix, Santana, um, Angus Young from ACDC. And actually, my first album that I ever bought was actually Aerosmith, Get a Grip on cassette tape. Um, so that's the one with like crying and crazy and living on the edge. Living on the edge was like my favorite fucking song. Um, and at the time I thought Joe Perry was the coolest <laughs> and I started hearing other guitar <laughs> players and I was like, Oh, but, uh, it, I, he was, Aerosmith was my first real big concert that I went to at 14 and then ACDC the next year. Uh, and that was like the kicker. Then I just wanted to play rock music. And
0: these are all concerts that your father brought you to my brother, Mike, just Mike alone. Yeah. Yeah. Me
1: and Mike, I went. Uh, that's really 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 badass i was 13 so he was 18 okay that's That's amazing that's absolutely amazing and uh that just it still wasn't a thing where i was like i want to be that guy it was like i just really enjoyed playing guitar and learning how to do this things and specifically learning how to do things so that I could write songs because I pretty much started writing songs immediately. That's all I cared about and that's still what I care about. Learning learning covers wasn't a thing for you? Rarely. I would learn like licks. Yeah, yeah it's like this riff of that song. I know so many of those. I know so few covers back to back where I could join a cover band and play them. It's like I just know like that lick from uh, Hell's Bells and that okay. lick from yeah. Pantera and that lick from because I learned those. and I'm like, that's cool. And I see what he's
0: doing there. And, and they I, get inspired and pull that technique almost into a, a songwriting type. That's it. You know, it's, I'm not saying it's like, that's how everyone
1: should be. It's definitely in a way it's in a way it's been really great for me, but in a way it's, it's also a hindrance because other people who are more disciplined to like, just per force themselves to learn something the proper way, note for note, they end up getting a certain benefit of like practice out of that in terms of technique improvement and versatility or whatever of, of different techniques. So, in a way, I wish I did spend more time on that stuff, but at the same time, you were juggling, you know, sports also. Were, you, were sports no, but still even, there? there was, it was fading by the time, basically, this through my teenage years, guitar took up more time and sports took up less time. Okay. And so the only thing I was doing was I was playing basketball still, but like okay, not, not competitive. You did, you did basketball, you did. I did baseball, then soccer, then volleyball. This was every
0: summer, yeah, or like yearly. Like
1: it, I'm saying, I, I was on baseball teams first. That was like my first teams that I was on. Then I was on soccer teams a couple of years later, and then volleyball and basketball, and then like. By the end, though, basketball, it wasn't uh, competitive. I just, would just, just go to the park with my friends, and we'd have, like, pickup games okay. and stuff like okay. that. Uh, but that's it. So guitar kept taking up more and more time. And then also I joined my first, like, not even a real band, but guys that I jammed with in a garage, literally a garage band from high school that were, like, in. they were in, like, the band, the concert band, like, okay. with the horns okay. yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I wasn't in that. Uh, Because I only learned to read music by the time I was like 20 or something like that because I forced myself to learn some basics or something like thing. And
0: it's just, yeah, I've never taken like formal music lessons like that. Me neither. I can't read a single thing. It's all Um, by ear. That's why Nick Donaldson to tell me when I'm good or not. But I would say this. I am a strong proponent of people that
1: that do use music theory and so like i use music theory i just don't write it on a staff like i don't like dealing on everything in terms of tabs and and visuals of the guitar neck only like because i like to have a certain amount i use theory to my advantage in the chord changes and in the chord uh, placements and things like that but it's not to the degree of like you know uh, an orchestra Kind mm-hmm. of, there's
0: no rules almost there's no rules which but, is a fun thing about metal,
1: to understand what the, the skeleton, rules are and how you can play with them exactly how to bend them and all that stuff it's very beneficial and every musician i've met who's has a blend of feel and theory tends to i uh, find more complete Can't, and uh, write more write
0: more interesting, interesting songs music. yeah and more like human music almost like yeah with a pulse mm-hmm. You, you mentioned your, your uncle, Frank Marino. Um, you went through the other thing. Have you ever, like, turned to him in, like, hard times during the band for, like, business advice? Is that something that you... A card that you've played I or did can the, play? early
1: on. Can, when you first got professional, so to speak, when we first got our first con- record good deals and first tours and all that. And, you know, he gave me his advice. And uh, I feel like the thing is that... He's from a very different time than what we experience. Uh, That time had things that were a lot better for musicians, but then had other things that were not as good for aspiring musicians. There was very few opportunities to be had, but when you got an opportunity, it was like from... Rags to riches, and that's just the way it is. That's how it works, and it's not how it works anymore.
0: Now, there's no breakout rock stars, extremely rarely now. And yeah, it's it's that's
1: you know, and so uh, to be honest, he told me don't sign the deal.
0: Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And I and I didn't listen, and yeah. you haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> no. no, but it's just
1: I knew the way it worked, and I I knew what I was getting into, and so did he. But he's basically said, well you shouldn't and i said i i i am willing to do it like mm-hmm. i understand he was being, uh,
0: protective of you yeah he, that's what it was cuz you're a family member yeah and he it was, wasn't and like he's seen resentful
1: what? he was truly trying to protect me cuz he's like i wouldn't do that because i you know i feel like if i'm going to w- put out music and tour and all
0: that then i should be paid really well and compensated very well and be comfortable and everything which is how it was right. more so back in the day with the advances which were a bit more generous let's say yeah and the thing was that i know now that if i if i
1: didn't sign that i definitely wouldn't have done any of this i just know it it's that moment yeah we we were very uh, lucky to receive that contract it's not because i don't think we don't musically deserve it. I think there's tons of bands that musically deserve it that don't get it. It's that it came through by happenstance because... Chris Donaldson, who plays in your band, Cryptopsy, had just joined Cryptopsy. He was the new guy. And he went on, I think, his first ever European tour with them. And he met the head of the European division of Century Media. And then he showed him that he was mixing our band. And we were just some local nobody band. That's right. Shout out to Life. Yeah, Yeah. Life Jensen. And then I got an email a few days later in my old Hotmail account, this is how far back it was. And, there was and it was like from Chris and he says hey dude I'm talking to to Life Jensen and he really likes your music and I'm like who's that hey, what, what and he's like he's like the head of Century Media over here he says your band's really awesome and that you should send him the full album when it's ready and like, I'm like in my underwear, it's like nine in the morning on a Saturday and I'm just
0: like hyperventilating. There's that moment, you know, that moment, all those times, all those hours in the jam room. Yeah. That moment. And it's like, yeah, we were really
1: were springboarded too. There's a lot of bands, especially now, this was back in 2006, but there's a lot of bands now where that kind of thing is really rare. Like a band getting signed now, they've already done... Like, a couple tours, a DIY, full style, like, across no, the demos, North America. EPs. They've done a lot of those things. They've done all these different... Like, we had never toured before. Self-released. Yeah. We did a lot of shows, all local. Like, just whatever show we could get on, we would play. You Opening do have for that. for Three yeah. Mile Scream. That's right. That was fun time. Opening for Mythosis, which is Chris Donaldson's old band, you know, and uh, it's like... But, uh, yeah, that just... It really... It was like springboard from from local to across north america in a few months just touring yeah our first tour was opening for sonata arctica and it was just us and them that's amazing so we were direct support we had a 45 minute set playing theaters and the thing is back then sonata arctica in north america drew over a thousand people a night and we'd never played to more than like 300 people that's right yeah yeah
0: That must have been amazing. It was. was It was amazing. It was
1: a learning experience. We never did any of it. We never drove a van across the, the continent. We never been... I'd only been to like...
0: Uh, New York City you know or being that together for that long with that group of people yeah. in a tight confined space longer yeah. than in a van in, you know in a, a few days is not even a is, real is a challenge
1: like now we have like a full you know the E350 what most bands have it's like a pickup truck with a van attached so it can haul and it's strong and a workhorse the van we got because we had no money was like a joke it was like a car in the inside but it just had a van shell around it and it was like a death trap if you drove anywhere with, like, ice or anything like that. It couldn't grip
0: the road or handle the trailer or nothing. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. What What was worse? Let's say, like, you guys finished Once Only Imagined, and then you went into the studio for a Lullabies of, for the Dormant Mind. Did you guys have that, like, sophomore slump fear? Can we do it again, or were you just confident that this no. was going to roll?
1: No, we didn't because we. That was a that was a huge jump for us. Like I find, if you hear those two records, you can hear the band become professional at that
0: point. I, I completely agree that the songs are at a different level. Yeah. I just don't know. So I guess you guys, the touring and all that, you guys just sort of grew as yeah, musicians there at huge, that time.
1: Huge inspirations um, from those tours. Every night, watching bands like um, Enslaved and the Faceless and Arsis. And These bands that we toured with that were a lot heavier and a lot darker than what we were doing, but it really appealed to me. And Simon, our drummer, was already fully there when he joined the yeah, band. Yeah,
0: and if I remember, he didn't partake in That's right. any of the writing. Yeah, so... Shout out to my the, friend Derek
1: Nadal, though, who was there. Yeah, so you'll hear the drumming change drastically, too, because Derek's all about like the groove and hardcore vibe kind of thing. So. And then Simon is pure death and black metal. Especially back then. Now, his he's, the music taste has evolved into many places, but back then he was pretty deep, you know, death metal.
0: I feel you guys had like. I feel like I remember you telling me you had to like hold him back a bit. Yeah. To reel him in a bit so that he could fit. On later albums. On not that, not on, so much on Dormant. On okay. that one, okay. I, you just full out.
1: Okay. Um, so lots of blasts and lots of, uh, you know, fast double bass everywhere and things like that. And it's great. It fits the album. And our new album is
0: more like that it's again leading in that direction so there was no stress with the follow-up which is interesting well okay sorry there was stress in terms of it's
1: it's just a stressful thing in general to <laughs> release
0: new music yeah
1: yeah and and because also we we went out on that first record and like i said some of the tours we did were really really heavy mm. and we were not always well received because of that we had a girl singer. Yeah, she which sang which, she Yeah, which back then scream. was was
0: somewhat more rare compared to yeah. what nowadays. Yeah, and it's it's like
1: it's not just that it's rare, it's like if it, the fact that it's rare is a good thing for you. It makes you unique and stand out and all that. But if it's the certain type of crowd that's really extreme, they're you know 50% of them are just not going to go for that.
0: Yeah, they have the the their arms crossed staring at you, tough guy. Yeah, so
1: there was some of that and so we did get a little yeah. a bit of fear about like can we compete and also like the technicality of the bands that we were playing with and all that and the, the musicianship and everything.
0: So that that encouraged all of you as a band to step up to let's step say, up yeah, on yeah. the next level. Yeah. The next record.
1: We knew what we wanted. I I wanted to take the darkness and intensity from those bands but still retain the songs from our band because i knew that we had songs Mm -hmm. we have hooks hooks and emotions and dynamics to the music and i I needed that I, i can i can't not have that like for me for this band at least Um, and so it's like, how can we do that? And that's from there, it was like lullabies and prisoners and so on. And it's like, that's, you can hear that evolution.
0: So, so what was worse? That's that follow up or when you guys went in and came in with Vicky for the first time, was that a stress that the old fans wouldn't accept her? Because back little backstory, you've talked to it about it at length. I'm sure don't want to beat a dead horse. Alyssa, who's now an archenemy, was not The Agonist, is no longer with The Agonist. And you guys went and found a new singer who's called Vicky, and she's amazing. So when you guys re- recorded The Eye of Providence, were you stressed when you released that album that the old fans would give her a hard time, or you just didn't care? You guys had accepted her, and that's it?
1: Yeah, there definitely was stress um, surrounding that there was uh sort of a fear of the unknown but at the same time we were so happy like there's this okay the weight of worrying about what the people are going to think but there was a huge other weight that was lifted at the same time which was the weight that was on the band which was our relationship with elisa which was horrible, basically. We had a very bad relationship, especially by the end. All of the band and her, like, it was negative. People were coming to me on tour saying i don't know if i can do this anymore dude if there's another tour and she didn't say those words to me but her her personality gave off the same vibe that she was miserable on
0: tour just to- so, a toxic sort of so everyone relationship was miserable with situation. each other in a van in a van so people have to imagine. This. later is in
1: buses in europe yeah. and stuff like that but still it's, it's always it tight confined matter.
0: spaces yeah
1: yeah it doesn't really matter it's like it was just really negative and then also there was the fact that we we really had we had some great material written that I had when uh, before Lisa left yeah yeah Yeah. while she's in well while she's in the band like and is just not getting done never getting and we are not allowed to write our own vocals with her you're not allowed to write a lyric you're not allowed to do any of this and so we just had to wait and wait and wait and it's like and we're worried about like what's gonna happen like we're miserable on the road. She doesn't want to write any music. You're like, miserable at home. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, what's happening here? So, you know? no, no. so, I World, know, so all, all that weight was lifted. Yeah. But then the new stress of what if what if this doesn't work mm-hmm. was there. Yeah. So I think we probably were around the same place because of that give and take. But uh, It ended
0: up just balancing out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, what we did, though, in terms of it was almost like a little test that I don't know if you remember, but we released two songs like well before the album came out no Ricky. i don't remember
0: i don't remember that sorry
1: yeah so we released it from new, from he, the from the the same two songs like they're on eye of providence already but they're d- like a, a a demo recording okay that was done because to test what, the waters we, and to yeah well what we said was p- we don't want to announce her and then have months of no music yeah. after announcing her right yeah so what we
0: should do is we'll announce her, and then we'll immediately put a song out so people get a taste. We'll just put a side note out here right now. I had heard that Elisa was no longer in the band, and I get this phone call from Danny. <laughs> he knows what I'm going to say because I've, I've told this to him. But uh, he calls me, and I know he's going to call me because... Uh, I think your brother told me or something, something, I can't remember. And in my mind, I'm like, please don't ask me to replace Elisa in The Agonist. I was like, in my back of my mind, I was like, maybe I could pull off a tour, but I, I can't step up there and become the new singer of The Agonist because I just don't think that I would be a good fit. I just don't fit into the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I do have beautiful hair. So finally, it ended up being uh, just to sit down with Vicky and to speak about some screaming techniques, which, you know, she really didn't need have that conversation she already had knew what to do and she took it in the right direction but i was very relieved and i had some stress about that <laughs> <laughs> but but i would have still been honored was there ever a moment that when when alisa finally left that you thought the band was over uh no you always had it that we'll find someone doesn't matter
1: yeah because it's like there's no way i'm giving up on that yeah, I can agree with that
0: and how did you come about finding Vicky Um,
1: well basically we knew that we were going to need a new singer we knew that there was no hope in terms of dealing with schedules and all that stuff with Elisa and we started to think about who can do this and we thought about local people like matt like other people we only knew guys really that were at the level we needed and we're just like i don't know i don't know if we should switch you know genders and in this band it's, uh, different, it's a different is totally different vibe all that then I thought about okay who do we know that we don't know personally but in the industry there wasn't really anyone that we felt was like fit well from just our knowledge There was some also that, like, well, they're already extremely successful, why would they leave their band for us kind of thing? So there wasn't much options off the top like that, so we started to look for unknown talent. Luckily, it's 2014 or whatever it was, and uh, you can use YouTube and you can use whatever and all these different sources, and so we came across a number of people um, about four total that were like contenders, so to
0: speak. So but, they're just people that you found on yeah. YouTube that are already just posting their own covers. Yep. Or, of the, the, or, or their, their or own or, or Of their own bands. Their own bands or their scoured covers. Scoured,
1: female-fronted metalcore yeah. bands. Just think. like metal covers, metal, and then yeah, female metal singers and all, all, all this stuff. And it was pretty obvious like of the four we found that like she was far and away like the other three never even got close there was no official auditions with us you know and like it was it was clear like why bother with that person if if she's interested and uh contacted her originally because this is still before it's announced because arch enemy hadn't announced we hadn't announced this was all like
0: you, you were doing this preemptively
1: yeah which is smart yeah. yeah so but we weren't we're not we're not even allowed to announce
0: you knew that she was Our your band. also
1: okay. said we're not allowed to say anything okay but so she, wasn't, it, it but she wasn't in your
0: band anymore at that point yes yes she was or yes she wasn't in your band when when you were looking for vicky
1: it wasn't announced yet okay. but the conversations were had where basically there was no budging on her part okay. and that she was like it's okay i'll just do both but you'll have to wait for our chenemy to do all their stuff every time okay that's so but there was no official discussion like yeah, i'm leaving yeah, yeah. exactly okay. so it was just left at this is how it's going to be and then us saying well that's not good enough for us and then like a non-answer and then we just like left the meeting and then you move forward yeah Yeah. so we found that and then when it was like okay this is it it's like we knew we had her and it was like we know this is it right there's no way you're gonna Like, you're not able to do this for us. You're not able to guarantee us that we'll be able to do this album by X year or anything. Can you guarantee? Can we still do the festivals that we have booked already in Europe? We've never played European festivals before and we have them. No, you can't do that. No, I can't tell you when we're going to do the record. It must have been hard for her, too, though, honestly. Yeah. No, it's like, (laughs) look, she got an offer to join a much more successful band than us and she also was going through the same shit that we were I was telling you about how she was miserable the toxic us. vibe yeah yeah. so it's like I can't speak for like I feel like I, I'm i not sure what I would have done but I'm pretty sure I would have at least told her about it that's kind of the if kicker. you crossed her yeah you know have you actually seen her maybe when's the last time you saw her I've never seen her since since no yeah I've never everyone else in the band has seen her okay because you thing. guys were
0: the tightest in the band, I want to think. While you Me guys, and Elisa? yeah. What do you mean? Like relationship? She had a person that she had the closest relationship when she was in the band. I'm not even sure to be honest if uh, she had a relationship. <laughs> no, like,
1: no. I mean, the thing is that because we were the two like forces in the band, maybe that's why am And I'm that. And, yeah. and when it came down to like big decisions, both of us had to okay it. It's like we would have the most fights. So you're business partners. Yeah. Almost. But I'm, yeah. But I'm just saying, because of that, just that nature of that deciding on songs, deciding on decisions, and all, and the fact that we saw think we totally did not see many things eye to eye. It just made for arguments to happen. Um, but I wouldn't say, I can't really tell you who in the band would be like her closest friend because it didn't seem like anyone was it was was
0: always a you versus her vibe maybe not always
1: there was there was like negativity in the beginning but it wasn't like at all like what it was by the end yeah just the touring i mean the very first tour she basically slammed the brakes in the middle of the highway in the united states jumped out of the van and ran into the forest she was driving <laughs> She
0: took the key with her Because she was mad Because, or because she was she mad Because it.
1: someone was was Not agreeing with What she was saying Wow And okay. that person's not even In the band anymore Okay So this was uh, Andrew Tapley Yeah A yeah. short lived Guitar
0: player in the band Who went on to play with now. In The Human Abstract There you go Would you Tour with Arch Enemy Now? No No it Couldn't happen if 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 it came out there from her side as if it was like she's handled her stuff, would you be able to handle your stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I mean,
1: I'm not one to be like never forgive or anything like that, which is a title of an Arch Enemy song since she joined. <laughs> never forgive. Never she mi- it might
0: not be about you. Maybe. <laughs> I bet you it's think it's the song well, song be. you. this song is about Could be about
1: a lot of people, but um, so I'm ne- I'm never like that where I can. I think the f- yeah, so. So I would consider it if, you know, there was an open discussion between their band and our band, and there was, whatever.
0: Everything was cool. Yeah. Yes, or, I mean, or at least on paper handled. Yeah. You walk this way. I walk that way. <laughs> Whatever. You look at the yellow piece of tape on the ground and I'll look at the red. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want anything like that. I, I, I don't
1: enjoy that I have the drama. this yeah. Yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't enjoy, not only do we live in the same city, we live in the same district of the same city. Yeah. <laughs> she lives on my street. Wow.
0: Okay. Yes. I did on the not, other I, end of it. I did not know not that. it's not
1: a long street. Yeah. I did and, not know that. And she hasn't moved. Okay. And neither have I. So, and, but I've never seen her, which is crazy if you think about it. it the is, fact yeah. that my drummer who lives on the other side of the city has seen her multiple times on the street. Wow. Wow. And the last time i think the she crossed the street okay so she's still making it clear but then at the same time she saw kells at a show and there was a bunch of people all around from different bands that everyone knew each other from you know lots of different i forget what show it was he was at and she said hi to him
0: okay so maybe it just depends you know so well i hope it all gets settled out well, I mean, I because think it is, any, it is any, any, the dr- any drama, any toxic energy is only going to hurt in the long run. Yeah. You know, you guys are both in happier places. That's what I think. She, she's, you know, I can't say much else, but she's fucking killing it. She's a sick vocalist in an excellent band doing sick tours. Mm-hmm. And you guys got a perfect fit now. Who I saw at Heavy MTL, and I told you, she like changed her technique a little bit on her screams, and she is as good if not better than Alisa now on her screams and her cleans have always been amazing so there's nothing no issue there so you guys are both in happier places
1: that's what i think yeah. and that's what that's what i said when i released the statements that outlined the whole thing the whole drama that like i don't understand why she moved on to a much better place financially and business-wise speaking but in every interview that she did, cause she did a lot in the first album release that they did. She had to mention all this negativity and purposely put us down and call names and all this stuff. And, and I was like, I didn't understand how you could be like punching down like that. Yeah. Like you decided to take a leap yeah. to make yourself better and more popular and and advance yourself as an artist. And then you're like mad at us because we're not, being your your side band. It's like no, we want to be an A band too. We, yeah, we want to be there with you. Yeah, that's what we're gonna continue to do. Yeah. You know I think it'd be
0: a sick tour. <laughs> well, Our channel
1: it's, it's funny, before she did moved on, it was always a thing that we were like we, it's, it's a goal a goal. Yeah that's yeah. like obvious. It's a like goal. when you tour like cannibal cannibal. corpse
0: or behemoth it's, at this point is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Different. What would be like a dream tour your your perfect tour
1: i've been asked this before and the thing is that it's kind of like it's kind of like a beer in that there's like your favorite beer like how much do you like that beer versus how well made is that beer as a appreciating the brewer who made that so the way i mean is like there's bands that I wish we could tour with because I'm just such a fan and I'm so like in awe of their art and what they do but for our band it, it is not actually going to be as beneficial as some other bands would be
0: because it's all about the audience that attends these yeah. tours so, so we could do the, ver- the the two versions the Danny Marino yeah. as the fan and then as a business wise decision right Dream tours. Okay, I can't load it up with too many bands. No, 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 like like a package, like like two bands and you guys. Okay, okay, I'll do the what
1: I wish for as a fan would be a perfect circle and Opeth. You can't go wrong there. Yeah, but a perfect circle playing the old stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I like Thirteenth Step a lot too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, that falls into the old stuff. In okay. My mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sad to say. I'm just, I tried with the new album, some okay tracks, but I just, it's not, it's not clicking.
0: It's not the same vibe. I find. You know? Yeah. He's not angry. The same people. Still. He's not angry still.
1: Yeah, well, it's not just him, the music, too. And Billy is not writing the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, to me, as much as, like, Maynard is the star, right, of the band. But Billy is the heart. Billy yeah, was yeah. always what I loved about the band. Yeah. And as a guitar player and a songwriter, of course, that's why, too, I have the connection. And he definitely was a huge influence on me as a writer, especially when it comes to parts like choruses and things like that in our band. I pull from them a lot. Um, You won't hear it as much in like the metal riffs, you know, but anyways. So on the other, I don't even know because the thing is, I'm convinced and I've even heard this from industry professionals like A&Rs we've worked with and managers. One of the reasons we have had a hard time breaking out of sort of this, like we're big, but not huge. And we're, you know, known, but not a headliner is because of the fact that it's kind of hard to package us. Mm-hmm. It's easy to package a band that's really, really like you know what they are exactly. It's like, it's like a you're you're a death metal, metal band. You're a uh, you know yeah yeah you know it's like emure yeah straight up hardcore yeah like it's like of course gente hardcore you know yeah. so it's easy with us it's like we move around, we do different styles we have hooks and then we have brutality and we, you know, and so we're not the first band to do that by any means, but it is a little even more so than let's say, let's say a band that does singing and screaming and heavy and soft, like Killswitch switch or trivium or inflames. Mm-hmm. It's still, they go together
0: in a way. Yeah, you guys still don't quite fit that though.
1: Yeah. Because they don't, those bands that I aimed off, it's very rare that they'll go really off the wall in a progressive way,
0: which is leading me in my mind, if I don't know if we have the same mind in our band right now, right? which would be a good band for you to tour with, which would be the Between the barrier and me. Yeah. see so that would be an excellent tour for you yeah. guys in my mind. I also, I still say that I,
1: as a fan and as a band, I think we would do great with Devin Townsend. Oh yeah. yeah. Great. Because yeah. there's a lot of people that go see Devin Townsend. That are Strapping Young Lad fans. Yeah. And we would do fucking amazing with Strapping Young Lad if they still existed. I miss but, them. But they yeah. don't. But they still exist and they go to Devin shows. And that's the thing. We would provide that like sort of heaviness aspect and speed that he doesn't really do as much in his music now. But then their fans are his fans are clearly open-minded people. You have to be an open-minded listener to love Devin Townsend's Cause music.
0: Because you don't know what you're going to get from one song to the next.
1: That's yeah. it. So he he's like a he's like a really complex assemblage beer.
0: <laughs> which, which is actually, coming up. That's it. That's what I was hinting no, no, at. <laughs> so, for our next beer, we are drinking now our second beer of the podcast, the Vox & Hops podcast. This is the uh, Microbrasserie du Lac Saint-Jean, and they call it an assemblage, which means that it is a, an assembly of beers. And in this beer, there are five different types of beers, which they have put together. We have 36%. These are not percentages of alcohol. This is percentages of beer in the total of the Beer. Of That's beer. what I thought when you showed
1: up because you pulled it out and you said, well, this one's kind of a heavy hitter. And I saw 36%. I was
0: like, what the fuck's <laughs> happening? It, this podcast is getting wild. So 36% of the total of the, the 100% of this beer is a triple aged with raspberries. of it is a barley wine aged in a brandy cask. 15% of it is a barley wine aged in a rum cask. 15% of it is a sour white. And 5% of it is a white with uh, Boreal herbs, which is like wild local Quebec weeds. Wow. You would sort of think. Let's see what... Cheers, buddy.
1: It smells wild, that's for sure. It's going to
0: be interesting. Mm. it's complex
1: that's great yeah
0: it's like a little bit of caramel but not sweet it's heavy on the alcohol
1: which is yeah it's boozy and it's definitely I taste that grape it said uh, white grape whatever Mm -hmm. it tastes grape -like. like it's not like it's like white wine ish in the back of it it's not red you know but like
0: now you can taste that the, the raspberries too If you like yeah. Imagine in your mind As you taste it Yeah Sometimes you need that uh, That f- visual cue. picture yeah. yeah
1: As soon as you said raspberry
0: It just yeah. the more The more that I'm gonna do this The more I wanna like g- Really get my Vocabulary yeah. out described. I feel like here. also
1: It's gonna get more Full flavor As it gets less cold
0: Normally I drink these beers Yeah mm-hmm. room So we can room just temperature.
1: Drink it slow And then you get the full effect Of
0: both Shout out to Brad Yes. <laughs> Mr Brad Geyer. That's right. What would be your smart business tour? Dream smart business tour for your fans. Devin Townsend.
1: I'm thinking about I, I got a sort of package here in my head and would to be finish sick. Finish it too? off. Yeah, here. Ginger Us Devin Townsend Gojira. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. I'd go to that show. That would be fucking... Yeah. Sold out everywhere. And like a good... I feel like a good 75% of that audience would really love us. And understand you. Yeah. They would understand it and they'd think... And then they... Like basically almost everyone in that audience would love every band on the package. And that's rare. That's true. When you go to a tour now, it's like, oh, they're here for them and they're here for them. And, you know, and... They hate them, and it's like, but that one would be like, every one of those bands has a lot of open-minded fans. I agree. I completely agree.
0: Out of all the gigs you've done, you've done so many in your life. What is the best agonist show, and why? If you had to name one, out of all, I your- gotta say, okay, it's not, I and mean, it's not the best,
1: but the one we just did at Heavy MTL is up there.
0: It's it was like, great. You it's got- like top five for sure. So there was definitely a lot of people in that little garden for you guys there. Yeah,
1: that's it. Like, we we were definitely, as far as I've heard, had the most people at that stage. From what I witnessed
0: being there the, the whole day because the Got, good beer was being served there? I spoke to... Yeah, the good beer was there. Me, me and Christian Donaldson to, uh, did not leave that area.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to someone from the organizers, and they told me that, so... That was good, but also it's like, it wasn't just, okay, so we played to a lot of people. We played to a lot of people. We played well. Like, I knew that we played well. I know that there's other, like, shows. We just did a festival out in Finland where it was like a fly in and out to do Finland. We didn't play very well. It wasn't the same,
0: like, performance. You guys just... No, it's it's hard, just, it's hard to do a one-in-one one out, I though. could just
1: tell that everyone was not... But everyone was just on on that show like it was just that hometown pressure it really gets me i guess but yeah it was like you think it'd be like a little bit of a nervousness but in a way because they fed us so well like it the confidence in everyone just lifted and a lot of it is confidence of course you have to practice and everything but if you don't if you have a little bit of fear that's where
0: you're gonna make a mistake it's the black void and then as soon as you open the black void you spiral down its staircase yeah that's what so happens like to me when you're on stage. You're yeah, if ever I have that, like, what was that? Oh, oh, yeah. did I did I suck there? Oh, oh, and then I mess up my next line. Yep, yeah, yeah. exactly. But luckily, I just grunt, so nobody knows what I'm saying anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, anyways, uh, best show. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Tokyo. The the last time we were in Tokyo was pretty amazing. Um, and Summer Breeze Festival. Okay. <laughs> off I had off the I, top of my head. We had
0: we had a fun time at Summer Breeze. Deadlining. It, it was it was, well, it was who was the
1: headliner while you were
0: I can't even remember honestly. Uh I'm on a Marth. Okay. Yeah. Well but we played too. after them though even. We were like the last band. Well after is better than during. Yeah, I but not that night. There was still nobody there. Oh it was one of those.
1: We got super lucky when we played Summer Breeze because we played I don't know if when you played it they had the same setup. Did they have a tent stage?
0: Yes, I played that stage, but there was no tent anymore.
1: Okay, so yeah. we played that same stage, but there was a big tent over now. And when I say tent for people, it's like don't pay. It's it's massive. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so it's like it's still like a, a probably eight thousand capacity area or something like that. Anyways, so it was full because we got fucking lucky. We went on. We started to line check. We're ch- plugging in our shit, and the biggest fucking rainstorm hits. And the tent just fills, like, fills, fills to the brim. There's people on the edges trying to get in because of the rain. And then we start. Nice. nice. And it's that's, like that's and then pure they,
0: circumstance. And then they
1: stayed. It stopped raining, but they stayed because, again, it was one of those shows where we were really on. I felt like it. And we had uh, Mega, the best sound man in the world, on the desk making us sound better than we are. Shout out to Mega. Mega. And lots of love for Mega. He
0: does sound for Cryptopsy as well. Na, na,
1: na,
0: na. <laughs> Inside joke. Zood. Uh, what is your craziest tour story? A positive one, uh, something that normal people wouldn't understand.
1: Okay, this one's probably it. I've said it a lot of times, but I guess the podcast is new. We're on a tour. Um, I want to say it was with the Haunted. Yeah, no, it wasn't that one. It was, just, anyways. It was around that same time because we had. Uh, a guy in the band named Chris Adolf, who was the second guitarist, thir- there's three guitarists total in that slot. Paco's the official here to stay guy that's been here the longest. But, uh, so it was that time, 2009, and, uh, it was an off date, I'm pretty sure it was the Haunted tour. It was some tour where we were doing an off date because they're having an off day, but we were going to
0: do a headline in a, in a small bar. I didn't even know you toured with the Haunted. Yeah. Chris Kells must have been so happy. It's like he's oh, the, I was he's, happy, he's, he's the dude that showed me the Haunted. I love the Haunted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The Haunted are, I find, the most underrated Swedish death metal, melodic death metal. I, I don't know if
0: it's all the, the members switching. Who was the singer? Peter Dolvin. No way. He's like a mythical creature, like Lord Worm.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a real character. He's the real deal. Like, in the, not in the sense that I think. I'll be honest. Like, I I prefer the other singer. I forget his name. The Mike, I think Mike. I right? want to say his name is Mike. Name I, is. I prefer his tone of his voice and everything and how it fits the band or whatever. But Peter has a unique sound and a unique character that like he's made for the stage mm-hmm. there's some people where it's like natural and it's just like they are born performers mm-hmm. and there's other people where they have to put it on and practice it and you know if they're a character on stage Yeah, versus and
0: he, people that are just authentically he, like, like that
1: a, he conjures a part of himself into the spirit I and mean, you know there's people like that. that's amazing and uh, it's really cool um, I, I could see how though because of his character eccentrics in eccentricity. Eccentric, cities and things like that that um if i was in the band with him i could see how he
0: came and left the band twice <laughs> day-to-day might be yeah. a more difficult <laughs> yeah. as a but, fan in the crowd it's fun but day-to-day oh, yeah. with a guy like that can end up being difficult um okay, anyway so off date of the haunted so off tour. date and the booking agent we had at the time just booked
1: us at this bar in somewhere in rural pennsylvania called the note and we're like okay Whatever. We show up. It's a typical small bar. There's a stage in the corner that's like just enough to hold our uh, amps and, and drums, you know, and whatever. We're setting up, we're line checking, and then it's like almost doors. And I go to the bar and I sit at the bar and I order a beer. And uh, the bartender says something like to another employee Hey, is he, uh, is Bam coming in tonight? And they're like, but I don't know, man, he's supposed to be here, but I haven't heard from him. Blah, 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 blah. And then yeah, BAM's blah, 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 blah. and then like and then I'm putting together in my head is like Pennsylvania. And I'm like, Are they talking about Bam Margera? And I asked and they're like, Yeah, well, he owns the place. Wow. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And I'm not even like a huge Bam or Jackass fan. I'm just like, oh I've seen the movies are funny. That's cool. Kels is a huge fan. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Not just of the jackass, but of the skating. Yeah, on, on a side note, I, I've been to Kells's childhood grown-up house where he hosted, like, backyard wrestling events, and I watched him do insane things. <laughs> right. Which made him, jumping off the stage at Heavy Tail the other day, seem very, like, menial, menial. Of course he did. <laughs> that's what it that is. Of course. That's what I said when I was standing there. I'm pl- finished, and it just,
1: like... I were playing and then he just out of the corner of my eye I just see this whoosh. Oh you didn't know
0: it was going to happen? No no. Well, I thought didn't... it was all planned for Ryan and no, filming. No no. Are you sure? I'm positive. He I'm going to ask him when And I it's have not him, yeah. the
1: first time he's done this. Okay. Every t- He's the third time I think that he's done this and every time he doesn't tell anybody. Oh okay. It's so him. Yeah yeah. And so it's like as it, the thing is that what he did we we self built this little riser that Vicky stands on the front of the stage and it's like totally like you know DIY MacGyver like just wood nailed together like not like some really sturdy supported thing and it's not nailed into the stage and it's not there's no front and it's just out in front and he ran and kicked off of that to jump over the like guardrail which was like a good 6 8 feet away from the stage with his base on with the base on and it's like he just cleared that guardrail oh. like and that it was more so I knew that he could make the jump if he ran, but it's the, the riser thing he kicked off of which so easily
0: could have just, just collapsed. Just not not broken, but fell right off the stage. Okay, okay. Eric, I of, just wish I was standing next to, uh, I know the guy that makes his bases. Yeah. Pavlo, who's the PHG bases. And I, I wish I was standing next to him when that happened, because I imagine he would have been more concerned about the base in Kels. <laughs> yeah. I just know him so well. Yeah. Shout out to Pavlo. Yeah so going back
1: to the original story um they're like yeah he owns the place and then so i tell the other guys and I'm like wow that's cool and they said like he might show up or whatever and then we go on with the night and the local bands play and then we then we go on and it's about i don't know halfway through the set and then i just look down and he's right there like in front and he's like fucking rocking out to it he's like really digging it or whatever and, and i was just like whoa that's cool like and then we get off, and he comes right up to us. He's like, "Great show, guys! You guys are sick and all this stuff." And and goes, "You guys, you, you gonna party tonight, or you, do you have to leave town, or whatever?" And we're like, "No, well, we're 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 sleeping in town, but we don't know.
0: We're looking for a place to stay." We didn't even say that.
1: They, and then he said, "Well, where are you staying?" And then we said, "In our van." And he's like, "In your van?" <laughs> it's like, fuck that! You come stay at my place. That's amazing. And so, we, huge mansion. Uh, yeah, it's the one from the TV show. Oh, shit. Viva yeah, La Bam. Yeah. It's that, that house. That's crazy. And, and, uh, the thing that's funny about it actually is that I had a huge fever that night because I had caught a major flu. Tour the flu. Tour so flu. much fun. So much yeah, fun. Yeah, here's the thing. I still don't know to this day if it was the case, but it was that year that the swine flu was going oh, in the shit. States. So I'm pretty sure it was that. It was like, like insane heavy flu, but just for like 48 hours and then I was fine. Yeah. Wow! and so the second day of that was that day which really sucked you did you party because or no? i like i went and i had a few beers because like, oh, to, yeah, i was but you couldn't have to but i was like yeah i was just dying and like
0: on like advil cold and sinus that's and so shit funny. and uh that's crazy and i see that is a crazy tour through that and you see normal people wouldn't understand that yeah yeah so we
1: went there and then because um, simon did party before getting there and we had to pull over the van so he could throw up right in front of his house <laughs> and then he gets back in and we drive in and it's like a he has like a rainbow road that goes into his house like it's a long winding road that he painted a rainbow so Jesus, yeah. and then it's it's just like a freaking kid's castle there's like it's like michael there, jackson there, there, without the touching yeah there's a giant pool and then there's huge of course uh half pipes everywhere and then he's Was got, like, skating Yes. And then he's got like uh, ATVs that drive all over the property. He's got a golf tee that he tees off into the forest from the top of his, like the front. His house is like up on a hill sort of thing. So from the top of the hill, you hit golf balls. Out. And then he also had. And Kel's a, loves golf. Potato they must have just hit gun. it off. Like, you know what that is? It's like yeah, a yeah, grenade yeah. launcher yeah, yeah. with potatoes. <laughs> all this, like kids. It's like a, yeah, candy a rich story. kid's toy. Yeah, yeah you know store, And then, of yeah. course, there's, there's Lamborghinis and Mercedes and all that. And, and Chris Adolph who yeah the old guitarist drove his lamborghini through wow the woods and they were not legal to drive and that was kind of dumb especially seeing as how that's exactly years later how ryan dunn died he passed away exactly yeah, rest in in that peace. in that's those horrible. in those woods oh shit because but they would do that all the time that's horrible yeah um and uh we went back there probably a good four or five times. Really? Over, yeah, over the years. Every time
0: you guys crossed through. He said any,
1: he gave us the code to his gate. He would No not way. Even, he would not even be there sometimes. No way. Yeah.
0: And any contact in the past year? When was the last time you guys saw him? No, it been years. He He's was a at, bit off the map He was I at know. my wedding. He came to your wedding? Yeah. <laughs> it's insane.
1: Um, and uh, yeah, we haven't seen him in many years. Oh.
0: Well, if you're out there, you're listening. Danny wants to connect. (laughs) Bam Margera. Absolute worst horror tour story. Okay. I I can imagine what you're going to say because I know you guys have done some shitty shit, but probably the first tour with the the deers and the, Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, it's still probably the worst. I mean, there's been bad. You know what? I'll use another one, because I always say that one, which is, in a nutshell, we crashed our van, and then we had to get it repaired, and then we drove away, and then we hit a deer, which also broke the lights, and we were driving at night through the Rockies in the snow. Pretty bad. Pretty horrible. Scary. I wanted Very to, scary. I want
0: to use a different one. Nobody slept on that
1: drive. Nope. Um, we played South America, and if anyone remembers... I believe it was five years ago-ish, a huge volcano erupted in South America and it put ash all over the skies and all the flights were closed down for like two weeks. So we were in South America when the volcano went off. And that basically caused us to... We didn't... I don't think we actually ended up... I think we only canceled one show because what happened was we were in chile or something anyways there's a there's a place where you could take like a ferry to go to montevideo uruguay and there's like chile other,
0: makes sense because it's sent down that
1: long. yeah oh. other option anyway so we ended up still getting to montevideo and then i think yeah we might have had to cancel one brazil show we we're gonna fly back to brazil and then fly home and then anyways that didn't happen. But like we lived in an airport
0: uh, No, for for how long for two days straight. oh my god and... Vicky or Elisa this? Elisa. What did she eat? I don't know. Yeah, that must have been something. I don't know. I don't remember what... A lot of it... I
1: remember... How cheap was the Like, beer? we were getting, like, we were getting, like, really stir-crazy at the yeah, end. Yeah, like, I can imagine. Like, just, like, giggling and in insanity at, like, whatever. <laughs> because also, even before that like the south american tour was still really rough in that it was literally you don't sleep yeah, yeah. you fly every single
0: day and you play every yeah. single day and they're like don't worry you will have hotel which you just lie down in for like a moment after yeah. you take a Showers. shower and then they bang on your door and you have to get back on a plane it, it's it's really it sounds like fun and it is fun on stage yeah but everything and from then what everything you up- from a to b is an, is is is, is Painful. I would you end say. up
1: substituting the pain by drinking a lot too, because there's tons of free beer and that nev- free, that alcohol ever That everywhere. Never ever happens. No. <laughs> yeah. So you're basically drunk and not sleeping and eating weird and and then playing every night, and then shaking a million people's hands, taking so and many then, pictures, and the, you know, so it's like you're also like you're getting this weird adrenaline every day at this
0: high and whatever. Maybe that's helping. It, it probably helps on that, the, but when you were staying there for two days, you know that's gone. Yeah. So you're, then, you're, and all of a sudden, that and you're like, you're, you're like in withdrawal. Yeah, was and there beer at the airport? Yeah, at airport prices. Okay, even in. Latin America <laughs> yeah
1: and South America the one good thing I guess was that um at the end of the day we ended up getting on a flight but the way that we did was, is they they got bumped us into first class no
0: way I've never flown first because there was no. the only time no. I ever did not all yeah. the way home yeah oh see that's nice yeah yeah, yeah. That's well, all tip. the way
1: to it was like Toronto or New York or something okay like that you still know.
0: still. I've never done it. I, I did it once, going from France to Belarus, and it was not a fancy first class. <laughs> <laughs> After this one was, this one was
1: fancy. It had, oh, the little I, bed capsules I things. I never had that. Yeah, I That'd didn't nice. realize that they have real cutlery yeah yeah they care and like how, you, how is that, that okay like, who washes
0: that yeah but at the same time it's like you can't bring anything on the yeah. plate like here's a knife <laughs>
1: like your first class you it's, can't the, do it's anything it's nice and wrong. rounded though
0: it's like a pizza cutter basically yeah
1: it's a butter knife and a fork's a real fork that's and true and you right? eat out of a real dish and it was like good food I was like I had like a, it was like a a ravioli carbonara
0: sauce. And someone's good. It wasn't someone's grandmother's up there. Yeah, some little Italian (laughs) grandmother's getting this. (laughs) What keeps you sane on tour? What things do you do that makes walk? You walk. I,
1: especially if I'm anywhere interesting whatsoever, I'm always saying I'm going to every band member, be like, "Want to go for a walk? Want to go for a walk?" And then in Europe. This time, I I didn't do this before, but I started doing it on this last European tour and I absolutely love it. I started walking by myself and really, really liking that. And it's really like uh, therapeutic and like just clears your head a lot. So walking around some weird European city... You never, especially on this last one we did a lot of like not a market cities which as a band you're like oh i want to play paris why are we playing nantes or whatever and then it's like but the thing is it's more interesting because it's so like you walk around paris it's like you feel like i'm a tourist yeah or you're like it's like almost new york but you kid. walk around this small yeah. town and it's like it's not touristy it's everything's real not everyone's trying to sell you something everywhere you go it's just real.
0: It's more authentic, and it's yeah. more you get that actual Europe experience versus the Americanized, yeah, picturesque just, version of what Europe should be. Right. Everything yeah. that's been in every movie, you know. Yeah. Not to say that I don't
1: enjoy the big cities too. Like Rome was really beautiful great yeah. to walk around. You gotta watch your wallet, but it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You gotta get the little inside fanny pack. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Uh,
0: (laughs) We'll call it an inside fanny pack. (laughs) I want to bring the fanny pack back. Bring it back. Especially on tour. It's just such an easy thing to have there and just have all your stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything right there. I think I might. You mentioned before your dream tour. Yeah. We were standing together at the end of Heavy Until Day One, and you mentioned that your dream tour would be OPETH and a perfect circle and I threw this at you that I would love to collaborate with you musically. For people at home we tried to do something in the past but it was more like in a jam room setting with other dudes and you know the other dudes are great players but maybe they, were, they weren't the perfect fit or I wasn't in the perfect frame of mind having, I was doing a lot. I was in many bands and I was just like let's just do it all. I was just pedal to the metal and maybe I was a bit too stretched to be super focused and I said, Same I would for me. love to do a Perfect Circle, the No meets Opeth, Damnation, Crossover, Songs, you know, because you have mentioned to me before, too, earlier this year, that sometimes you're writing riffs and you're like, uh-uh, no, no, that's too Tooly," because, you know, tool riffs are actually a style now, Yeah. and you say, no, I can't use that, I throw it away, and in my mind, I was like, don't throw it away, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my pit, shoot me some songs, if ever you have some time, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. It I've- doesn't have to be anything... Super concrete, we just throw them out in there and see if something happens. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, we just finished our record, so I'm sure I won't be
0: writing for the agonist for quite some time. That's perfect, and I just finished my screaming for a while, so (laughs) I I can save my pipes for you. They're going to be a little bit of screaming, but it's sort of hard for me not to scream. Yeah, like... like echo
1: yell screaming
0: anything's cool yeah inter arma i like yeah. that shit what was it like recording five in la it's my dream and many musicians dream to be immersed in a studio for a month mm-hmm. in la with a producer mike plotnikoff exactly and you know you're like totally there you're all a part of this process what was that like yeah
1: it was really cool it was um a learning experience too. Um, it was cool to be immersed, like you said, and and we not just we didn't just record all you know in, at the studio and all that. We lived in his house.
0: Yeah, but that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. So
1: it's like, yeah, it was, and and like. Just fe- feeling completely detached from everything else during it is really cool and helpful and uh, taught us, too, about, like, working with someone else and, like, taking someone else's views and all that was kind he, of stuff. Was
0: he, like, an extra band member in the, during this period? Not as much, but, I mean, he was definitely a
1: produced You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. He likes to put his stamp on the bands he's not just recording them he's not okay. he's he puts his opinion out there he's not afraid to do that and to get into debates with people about that um i'll say that i didn't always agree with his and i still some of the things i still don't agree with sometimes some of them i listen back after and then i do agree mm-hmm. when i didn't at the time now
0: with with the, with them yeah you maturity or it's right? like
1: that's what that is, though. That's what that process is, and uh, but it was good of us to to experience that. And you know, I would do it. I would consider doing it again. You know, with a different producer or something in that same scenario, if if it made sense to or whatever. Uh, we were m- more than thrilled to work with Chris again on this one. And what I told Chris too is that the thing is that on the last one. We didn't work with him but i'm happy that we didn't because that wasn't the record for him whereas this one is the record for him it was made for him excellent (laughs) and he loves it and it's i knew
0: he would yeah he he was totally showboating it the other night like showing me clips in my ear from his iphone you know (laughs) that's how excited about this he is that's great because you 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 did like every other record with chris chris helped you get signed yeah, well, it must is, have been hard for is even the you guys. Extra band member, that's the truth. It must have been hard for you guys to not yeah. go with him that time.
1: Yeah, and that was it was, a was, a, it was Napalm like a decision. It, it was a Napalm suggestion which we took and and I took and went with. I'll, I'll take the responsibility it, there. It's hard
0: to say no to because that that immersive in the studio, was it hard coming home after that? It's always nice to come home and be with your yeah, family. Well, That's not a, what well, I mean. Like, what to, ha- come, ha- to come back to reality. Well, when the you come thing back is that, that what
1: happened was um, at the end of the recording, my wife and Simon's girlfriend flew down and, and you guys stayed. We stayed in L.A. for you guys five saying, days.
0: That's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, capped it off with a mini vacation. So coming home must have been even harder. But at least when I'm coming there, it's like a bit of dose of reality.
1: Yeah, that's it. And uh, it's always weird coming back. That first day in the office. Exactly. That first day back and you're just like, oh,
0: we're out of milk. I have yeah. to do that. I forgot to take the like, garbage out before I left. The cats need to eat. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, all these things. What can we expect from this new album? I, I find it's a culmination of our trajectory. In that, if you listen to lullabies, you hear this dark chaos that is like a whirlwind, and you're like keep bouncing between things, and it's all all over the place, sort of. So it has that intensity, but now with a more evolved like the, the songwriting which you hear more on like five and things like that that's very cohesive and gelled and, and fluid and but applied like that to that applied dark chaos applied to the in intensity and chaos and darkness that's of, very interesting right so it's uh, controlled chaos there you go so that's I find it's just it really represents us fully when do when do people get to hear this in a perfect world in a perfect world we would release some form of it before the end of the year like not the album but perhaps a song
0: well excellent fingers crossed that i get my shit together and that this comes out before that because danny is the number one podcast i've ever done number one yeah (laughs) i'm number one (laughs) Oh, thank you very much. Wait, you have to try the beer now that it's yes, warmer. you're right. We're going back to our beer, which is the Assemblage from Microbarassites du Lac Saint Jean, which is the you got the five assemblies of different types of beer. It still smells amazing.
1: Yep, sweeter. I knew it. A lot sweeter now. S- sweeter, but not like sugar sweet, not like sugar syrup sweet,
0: but sweet how like a whiskey is sweet. Exactly, yeah it's it's really delicious no i strongly suggest it hopefully it will still be out when this comes out too anything final thoughts something you want to
1: add i'm just really happy that you chose me to be the first podcast it was just it was a good good conversation yeah
0: it was easy hopefully it works we'll listen back to it and (laughs) uh we'll see something came out of it thank you all for listening and uh i'll come back with my final thoughts in a moment Hey everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of Vox and Hops. I had a blast getting to talk to Danny, finding out things that even I didn't know happened. You know, it's interesting that you can know someone so well, and uh, when you sit down with them for an hour, you end up digging up information that, e- that you didn't even know about. So if you have any future ideas and suggestions for the podcast, such as who I should interview, what beers are your favorites that you wish that I would explore and share with some of my friends in the future, please send all your comments to to matt at Voxandhops.com. On the next podcast, I sit down with my bandmate Christian Donaldson, who is not only a prolific guitar player, but he also runs one of the best metal studios up here in Montreal called The Grid. So stay tuned and catch episode two of Vox and Hops.
1: Bowie. podcast.